You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. be able to be together, to be able to worship together and uh, celebrate uh, who you are in our lives. Thank you to gather around your word and to hear from your word uh, this morning. And uh, thank you for the way that your word shapes us and forms us as a community of faith. Uh, Thank you for the way that just being together can help us be more like Jesus, that each one of us has a a little part in in a way that is more like Jesus than me. And uh, I'm just grateful for what I can learn from everybody here. And it's awesome to be together. Thank you that we can remember Jesus his body and blood given for us as we're gathering around the table of communion. And uh, thank you for this uh, time today as we talk a little bit about our, our international fellowship and what we're part of around the world. God, we, we thank you with humility for what you've done, uh, putting these churches in all these countries. I know it's just you, God. It's nothing. It's not us. It's not human effort. And Father, we don't want to make a name for ourselves, God. We don't want to build like a Babylon structure, God, for our glory. We just want to bring you glory. We just want to bring the gospel uh, to the people of the world, and uh, it, it is a, an amazing uh, thing, your kingdom, as we just sang about, God, that uh, is, is, is a, for a world of broken hearts, God is bringing hope. It's, bring, it's pointing people to you, and it's pointing towards a new reality of a new heaven and a new earth and a people of every nation, tribe, language, and, uh, uh, and people that are all together around the throne praising you forever, and we look forward to that day, and uh, God, we, I know we speed its coming as we uh, share the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As was alluded to, uh, we're doing a series right now called This Is Us, just talking about who we are and why we do what we do, kind of building on our, our Citizens of Heaven identity series that we did as a church, just talking specifically about who are we in South Bay and how do we fit in uh, to the big picture of God's people and, and kind of what, what, what we are, what are God's people here today, like like here in South Bay, what are we doing? So we talked a couple weeks ago about the, uh, why we meet on Sunday and what's the whole purpose of, of coming together. And then last week we talked about our connection to Hope Worldwide and, and serving the community here and around the world. And today we're talking about the structure of our churches around the world, the International Churches of Christ. What is the International Church of Christ? Uh, how are we structured? How are we governed? We're going to watch a, a video about kind of how... How does the structure of the ICOC work? Because we haven't heard about that in a long time. And uh, so talking about that. And then a couple weeks from today, uh, the Marichis are going to share about their uh, recent trip to our churches in the Middle East and helping strengthen that part of the world and sharing about some news from there and different uh, disciples that they interacted with. Uh, And so next week we're doing something different. You'll hear more about that. We're not having service here next Sunday, but two weeks from now, uh, Steve's going to be talking about that. So I'm talking a little bit about the ICOC and kind of where we come from. The title of the lesson today is All Over the World. And it's taken from this passage. This is Colossians 1, where uh, Paul is writing to the disciples in Colossae, and he's reminding them of their faith and reminding them of how they came to be in this place, how they came to be Christians. And he says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. I love this verse. I love this translation. Um, Paul is reminding the the disciples in Colossae, the, the Colossians, that they're a part of something bigger. That the same gospel that impacted their life 
is, is also impacting lives all over the world. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder because I am very myopic. I just think about my life. You know what I mean? Like I'm hungry or I'm tired or, you know, this service is going too long or this, whatever it is. Like I'm just so like centered on my reality and it's just good to be a reminder like, hey, the world does not revolve around me, you know? And, and it doesn't revolve around even our little church. Like our church is a part of this bigger narrative of what God has done in the world and what God was doing all the way back then. I love that because that feels like something that could be written today and it was written 2,000 years ago about the church and how the church spread. And the church was really a global movement from the very beginning. Paul tell, I mean, uh, Jesus tells his disciples right there at the end of Matthew, I want you to go, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples of what? All nations. It's, it's for all nations. It's for all people. And that, that reflects back to the promise to Abraham. Even when God called Abraham and he called the specific people, he said, it's so that you can be a blessing to the nations. That all nations can know Yahweh, our great God. That all nations can know our God, our Lord. That's what the kingdom is about. It's for all people and all nations. And, and so it, it's a global movement from the beginning. It's not just an American, you know, Christianity is not an American religion. It's not a white man's religion. It's an all people, all nations, all cultures. It's originally, you know, the white people were kind of late to the party, in fact, if you study church history. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so this is something for all people. And, and I, say, I say that because that's something you'll encounter like in college or you'll encounter with people of, Oh, Christianity, oh, that's a white man's religion. And I get where that comes from. And I'm not going to get into that. There's horrible things that have been done in, in all of our history and all that. But, but I love to reclaim the original, right? The, re, the original, God's original plan was to make people that are in his image and to call people back to that Eden image of all people, all kinds of people. So anyway, so that's, that's, that's what we're part of. And our specific family of churches uh, comes from a, 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 something called the Restoration Movement. I talked about this a little bit two weeks ago. But it was this idea that came, you know, you have the, the church, and, and, and I won't go into all church history, but the Protestant Re- Reformation trying to reform the church. And then early days of America, in fact, the Church of Christ or the Restoration Movement is the, the first uh, kind of original denomination. We don't like to call, call ourselves a denomination. I'll talk about why, but... But we're the first new kind of thing uh, in America. So right after America is born, uh, just the turn of that century is where you have the Church of Christ. Uh, and the idea of the Church of Christ was, it comes from this passage, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. So that's why we kiss in our church. No, just kidding. Um, there are things in the Bible that are cultural, right? And so... Kissing each other, and that's still a thing in some countries. Have you ever gone to a country where people do kisses? I was in the churches in in Mexico, and they all do a kiss. All the sisters will kiss you on the cheek, and I could never get which cheek it was. So we're always, you hug, and then you go for the kiss, and I'm like, I don't know which one I'm... It was super awkward. Anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So I got it by the end, and now I don't remember what it was, but... But yeah, so but but this is this is uh, this is in the Bible. This is the Church of Christ. So the idea of the Church of Christ is let's like not go by creeds or these other do- uh, kind of doctrinal stuff that's been added on. Let's just go to the the scriptures themselves. Like let's just try to. So so in our church we don't have a creed that we sign on to. It's just the Bible, uh, just going by the text. 
And, uh, and, and so the idea, and it was this ideal, this ideal that if anybody just reads the Bible, just as if you were on a, a, a deserted island and you just found the Bible, you're going to land in the same place and end up with the same church. This is what like Alexander Campbell thought. If everybody just reads the Bible, they're all going to end up united and agree. And that didn't actually work as well. But that's the idea. Uh, that's the idea of the church. And I love that idea of just returning to the text, returning to the basics, returning to the, uh, you know, and, and we have to work it out because sometimes it seems like it means something different to you. And we all have cultural baggage. We all have, baggage is a negative term, but we all have culture. We all see in a culture. It's like a fish doesn't know it's wet. You know, you don't even know the cultural stuff that go into the way that you view everything. We are, I am a, a Gen X person and, and that grew up in America. And so as a Gen X person, I see things differently than like my kids who are Generation Z, you know? And so we see that sometimes like, okay, I, I didn't grow up with a, a smartphone and I just see things differently. Like it's a different thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a modern. I'm kind of the last of the moderns. My kids are postmodern. You know, there's just different ways of, of looking at things. And so I don't even know why I was talking about that. But anyways, I'll just keep going. I'll keep going. All right. So, so Church of Christ, so what happened with us, and I'll share kind of from my own personal story, and, and I'm not going to give the whole history of the International Church of Christ, but so in the Church of Christ, it, was, it, it spread. It was a dynamic movement, but it was mostly just American. There was some missionary work, but it was mostly American churches in the South. If you go in the South today, you'll see Churches of Christ all over. They're still there. There's still a lot of a little old Churches of Christ. But it was mostly older people. It was becoming mostly older people. And so in the 70s started this revival, though. And it kind of came out of youth movement. Like, I really believe God's Spirit works in all nations and all people, not just in certain pockets. Like, it's God's working all over. So I think God was even working all over with, like, the youth movements of the 60s and things like that. You don't know how God's doing it. So God is spurring uh, the imagination of young people to change the world. And within the Churches of Christ came about this campus ministry movement and things happening uh, in, in these churches that were mostly dead and dying or older people. Or that, Again, I, now that I'm saying dead and dying, like that was a narrative that was given to me. Like, do you know what I mean? Like maybe it wasn't dead and dying, but I was told it was dead and dying. Anyways, so, so the, the, the Church of Christ came out of this youth movement. And this youth campus ministry movement. So it's a pretty young movement, the, the, the International Church of Christ, I mean. And so it became known as the Crossroads Movement, and then it was the Boston Movement. And then eventually it became known as the International Churches of Christ. And I'll explain kind of where uh, that name change, when that name change came about. So for my family, we got involved with uh, the Crossroads Movement when I was a kid. I remember going to, to uh, Crossro the Crossroads Church, which was a church in Florida, going to these seminars when I was like nine years old. And some of you guys go back all the way to that kind of time frame, and you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and we moved to Pueblo, Colorado, to be a part of a crossroads movement church, to be a part of, of, of a, uh, Willie Flores had been trained in Florida and gone there as a campus minister, and we went there for my dad to be the pulpit minister. And so we were in, in, in Pueblo for 11 years. Then we moved to Denver to be a part of a Boston movement-style church. And, and I won't get into all what that is, but... That's how it affected me. And I, I could see like this revival happening in these churches as a young person. And it excited me. I was, I was really excited. And, and along with this move to, to kind of Boston being the hub, and this is a Boston church uh, conference. They, they would meet in uh, uh, Boston Gardens, which I don't think is even there anymore. But it's named differently. Okay. So this is where uh, Boston church would have its services. And this is a Boston 
conference there. Uh, I might have been there. I used to go to those as a kid. I don't know. I was trying to find myself in the audience, and I couldn't find myself. But, um, but this, this website, I'll just... I didn't even know about this, this until this week, but it's called icochistory.org. And there's all kinds of video and bulletins and content about just our church and kind of where we come from and how we got into all these nations. And so if you want to know more about this or you're interested in this, I really, you know, some of us love this stuff. Some of us are like, this is the first time I ever came to this church. This is boring. What do you, you know? So, so I don't want to go way in depth, but, but this is a website if you want to check out if you want to know more about this. But one of the things I found on this website was... Uh, a reference to the name change. So Dust and I, uh, we were in the church in, in Denver, and the church in L.A. was planted. And it was fairly new and, and growing, and they needed people to help out here. So we were asked to help come move here on, as part of the mission team. So the end of 92, so this is exactly 30 years ago this month, we were asked, or next month in November, we were asked to move out to here to L.A. From Denver, we were asked to move to L.A. in 92. And we came at the beginning in 93. And uh, in 93 is when... Summer of 93 is when the name was officially made the International Churches of Christ. And this is a memo about that that's on that website from the leader of the church at the time, Kip McKean, uh, to these different people that have positions of authority or whatever, just saying, hey, this is our new name, use it. You know? And where it came from was a guy, uh, a, a missiologist who used that name to apply to our churches because we were all, at this time already in all of these different countries. And so he talks about that, like, at the beginning of this, greetings in the Lord. We are looking forward with great anticipation to being with you at the World Mission Leadership Conference in Los Angeles in August. So Dustin and I would, were here for that. Uh, please pray the Spirit will move powerfully during the conference, allowing the kingdom to continue to be forcefully advanced all over the world. There's our theme, all over the world, or all around the world. Already this summer, new churches have been begun in Vladivostok, Russia, Odessa, Ukraine, Tbilisi, Georgia, Budapest, Hungary, Zurich, Switzerland, and U.S., Syracuse, uh, Ohio. So, so God was doing something. God's spirit was working. It was encouraging to see people be willing to go to all these nations and start, start churches just to get the gospel out and, and follow Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations and the Good Commission. And a lot of good work was done. You also see, though, and I want to just acknowledge that we had structural issues we had structural challenges and even sins that we committed as a people or, and misinterpretations of Scripture. And you see it right here, a misinterpretation of Scripture. Just one example that I want to explain to you. I'm not trying to bash our church. I just want to acknowledge that we all get things wrong sometimes. And, and so, and this is a, we're part of kind of a greater cultural milieu. And if you listen to like uh, podcasts about church history, or if you get into uh, just looking at, at, you know, read books about organizational structure, you'll see that this is not just in our church. It's a theme where, like, the 80s and 90s were particularly kind of top-down models, hierarchical models. In corporate America, uh, in a lot of ways, it was kind of, there, there was this top-down uh, hierarchical model to structure in the 80s and 90s and, and, and kind of a, a very performance-oriented, performance-based uh, kind of way of doing things. And that was true in our church. Our church was structured that way. And many churches were structured that way. Uh, I think we, we, 
we were a little extreme in our, our amount of hierarchical structure, I, I would say, but, but it's, it's not just us is what I'm trying to say. It's like a, a bigger thing. And then the world has changed. Like the internet and iPhones and all these things have really made, you can read a book called The World is Flat which just talk, by Friedman, which just talks about how now like there's this, this democratization of, of information and the internet has changed everything. The internet changed our church uh, when like this letter gets put out on the internet in 2003 that's like acknowledging, you know, pointing to some structural issues in our church and, and it spreads like wildfire because it was kind of the first time I can access my own information. Like that was a, not a thing that people could do except for going to the library until the internet. Like just think about that. You have in your phone, you can access like all kinds of information. We didn't have that. Generation X like me, you just, you learn from your elders, you kind of do what you're told. You, you, you can't have access to all human information. It's, you can go to the library. And so the, the internet and, and smartphones, all this has changed all of that. And so our kids, and we see that those of us who have Generation Z kids, our kids question everything. You know, they, they, they do the research and then they come to you. Like I thought I would talk with my son. My, my son Marshall loves all this stuff. I thought I would talk with him all the, about us and explain. Let me tell you the history, son, of the ISIS. No way. I mean, he learned it all on the internet. And then he comes to me with questions, you know. And so I, that's the new dynamic and I like that, you know. And, and we've come, like my son called me the other day. He said, I want to ask your advice about something. I was like, oh. Cool, you know, I've been waiting for this moment. Because that, you know, that's, that's the mature kind of intergenerational relationship. Yeah, they can access all information, but it still doesn't help with hands-on, like, what do I do, though? You know, and, and so that's a, a really great thing. So anyway, our church was part of this kind of top-down kind of uh, systemic kind of way of looking at the world. And you see right here where it says, Allowing the kingdom to continue to forcefully advancing. You see that? Forcefully advancing. Here's the, here's the verse that comes from Matthew eleven, twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. So we were told, like, this is a good thing. The church should be advanced through making it happen. Through, like, forcing your way. Kind of like... You know, and the leadership ethic was to be a forceful man, to be like, I've got the answers, you don't have the answers, I'm going to give you the answers, like that's the way we're going to advance the church. And this, the problem is this is a total misinterpretation of this passage that you learn if you just read the Greek. And, and uh, so here's how it's been changed, and this wasn't until 2011, but it, this is the NIV. So the other translations didn't sound like this. But the NIV, it, it, I, don't, I don't think they meant, even the interpreters meant for it to, to come across the way it did. Like, it's good to be a forceful person. Because uh, you don't see that in any other part of the, of the scripture. There's nowhere in the Bible that's like, you should be forceful. You should tell people what to do. You should, you know, it's, you should be kind. You should be gentle. You should, you know, uh, be like Jesus, right? Like, but but it, it's, anyway, we way overinflated this verse. And so... That caused damage to people. That, and and you, might, you might be here and like, you don't even know what I'm talking about, but you might be here and you're like, I'm already like triggering you because you're like, and some people my age are going through that right now. That's why I think it's important to acknowledge when we talk about our church history, because people my age, we never question things, and now our kids question everything, and then suddenly we start questioning things. So I keep talking to people my age that are sort of like, 
they're almost mad, like, I was never told this, or what, or, or where, and they're, they're mad about sometimes things that happened 20 or 30 years ago, and that, that is, it, I just want to acknowledge that there are things that were not right, and, and especially whenever you look back, you ever look at, like, Looney Tune videos now, and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> right, so, because it's part of culture then, and you're like, the way they treat women, the way they treat racial issues, it's like, oh my, and there's stuff you just can't, you could never watch again. Even like at Christmas, when we're listening and, and that song comes on, Baby, It's Cold Outside, you know, like right after Me Too, and that comes out, it's like, what's, hey, what's in this drink? I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so, so, so to be fair, like we have to be fair, like I think the Holy Spirit even helps all of us to get more awareness of, of the kingdom ethic. And so sometimes we look back and we look back with our eyes now at what was going on back then. But that was then, like there was a different culture then. So we gotta be, have patience, I guess. Like, like be, be generous towards people who were doing things the wrong way, but, but, but they were doing it for the right reasons. Like they really loved God and they were trying to. So uh, Doug Jagby wrote a paper about this all the way back in 2003, but NIV didn't listen to him until 2011. And so the NIV finally changed it. So here's what it says now. If you open your Bible now and you look at Matthew 11, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. So what it was meant by it's been forcefully advancing, it means what they meant was, okay, and and the context is... uh, the, uh, John the Baptist has been put in prison, and, and he's suffering. And, and the people of, king, of the kingdom keep suffering. It looks like the kingdom is losing, right? Because these prophets are being killed, and they're being tortured, and, and like God's people keep being oppressed. And, 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 and Jesus, the Messiah, the king of all, is gonna, he's going to win the battle by going to the cross? It seems upside down. And so the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, meaning it's advancing through hardship. It's advancing through suffering. It's advancing through, you know, here's John in prison, and he's about to be beheaded. Do, do you see the difference? Uh, and so, so now, I, I, and it was just subject to, it was interpreted wrong, and so now it's like, okay, it's subjected to violence. Violent people are raiding it. It's being attacked, but the, the great thing, what, what Jesus says right after this, this is like 10 verses later, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So a kingdom leadership ethic is one where you find rest for your soul. Your soul is not injured by following the true Messiah. Your soul is in a better place. And, you find, and, and, and the kingdom ethic is not one of forceful men who tell everybody what to do. The kingdom ethic is one of Jesus. Is, when he describes himself, he says, I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. You know, I, that's Jesus' ethic. And so that's the kingdom ethic that we should, that we should uh, esteem to be. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be, you know, this... this authoritarian person. I want to be like, I want to be more and more like Jesus. You see that in all the other passages, you know, Paul's like, I want to know Christ. I want to be like him in his suffering. I want to, you know, 
now, was Paul opinionated? Absolutely. Was Paul headstrong? Absolutely. Did Paul, was Paul trying to tell people what to do? In a good way, but he's still trying to do it through the way of Jesus, the way of the, you know, you see what I'm saying? And so, uh, this doesn't say we're going to find rest for our body. It doesn't say we might not be killed for our faith, or we might not suffer, or we might endure hardship. We, we, we lay down our lives, but our soul is at rest. And so this is what we're trying to do in our church now, and that, that's led to a change in our leadership structure. Our leadership structure is we, we try to listen. We, we're trying to listen to people. We're trying to hear, like, everybody in the church's voice matters. And so we have this delegates model, and we have all these service teams that are trying to listen to different parts of the church. And we're going to watch a video in a minute that explains that structure. I just want to tell you ahead of time, this video is boring. Uh, it, it uses words like chairperson and delegates and, do you know what I mean, service teams and things that you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, and, and anybody who's studied politics, you, you know, it's boring, right? That, but the idea of trying to create an ethical uh, society is one where you're trying to give everybody a voice and it takes, you know, it's messy is my point. And so this new model that we have for our organizational structure, top down or just this hierarchy is very simple and it's very easy and you get things done quickly. But even in companies, like when, when a CEO starts a company, he does everything, he's in charge of everything, he calls all the shots, but they usually transition as the company grows to a different model that's messier, it's not as fast moving, but it's more sustainable. And that's where we're at as a church now uh, across the world is a, a more sustainable, a more ethical, uh, you know, leadership model, but it's messier and it might seem boring when you watch the video. Uh, the last thing I want to share with you is, is this picture. This is a, a book called, uh, from a book called, a church called Tov. Tov is a Hebrew word for good. And uh, this is by a, uh, the, the book is by a, um, uh, a Bible scholar, Scott McKnight, we, we read Reading Romans Backwards was by him. He's, he's a New Testament Bible scholar. This book is written largely in response to Willow Creek and what happened in Willow Creek, a megachurch that was, had, a, had a, a narcissistic leader and all kinds of stuff that happened there. And he, He's trying to argue for what church should be like. And this, this is a book that our staff here in coastal LA is studying for like four months. I mean, four or five months. Every week we go through a different chapter uh, or every uh, uh, month when we meet as a, as a staff. So I just say that because sometimes when people think about it, especially if you've been around a long time, when you think about ICOC structure, when you think about ICOC staff people and what staff meetings are like, you have this certain thing in your head that's from 20 years ago. And so I've had a couple conversations where it helped just to say, this is what we're, this is what we're studying, right? <laughs> like nurture empathy, resist narcissistic culture, nurture grace, resist a fear culture. Put people first, resist institutional creep, tell the truth, nurture justice, nurture service. This is what we're, we're all together trying to build this kind of culture, but it takes work. And so I just ask you to be patient if you have been through, you know, again, some of this doesn't apply to any of you. I'm talking more to the people who have been around 30 years, you know. If you have some, some hurts, I just want to extend an open invitation to me and Dessa's dinner table. Like, we would just love to sit with you at dinner and just talk about stuff, you know, that you've been through in the church or things that you feel about the church. To anybody here, like, like we do not want to, we're not these people in charge and we want to tell everybody what to do. We want to work with you to build this kind of culture where we're, it's a kingdom ethic culture. It's trying to be like Jesus. And so that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're hoping that 
around the world, our, our churches can really reflect a culture that's like Jesus. And so now I'm going to show you the boring video. Sorry, don't tell Kidogo I said that, please. And then Dust is going to come up. I'm Amber Rodriguez, and today we're going to explain how the International Churches of Christ are structured. Who runs it? How are things done? Where can I find answers? We're going to answer all of these questions today. So let's dive in. The International Churches of Christ is a fellowship of 731 churches with a membership of 114,000 in 147 countries. These churches range in size from a couple dozen to over a thousand. These 731 churches are organized into families and we have 34 families of churches. For example, there's the Indian family of churches and the French-speaking West Africa family of churches. So again, there are 34 families of churches that make up the International Churches of Christ. Each of these families needs to be organized. So from among the leadership of individual churches in each family of churches, regional family chairpersons have been chosen. These roles carry with them representative responsibilities, and in some cases, they also serve as a lead couple for the families of churches. With the agreement of their local congregations to donate their time to help with the responsibilities of their particular family of churches, both on a local and global level. They aim to build and maintain unity among churches globally, represent their region in all discussions, and some even coordinate various task forces and service teams. More on that later. Now, how is each family of churches represented in decision-making and meetings? Well, aside from the chair couples, each family of churches selects commended disciples to serve as delegates. These representatives attend global meetings for ICOC leadership create proposals for change, for action to build unity, and to increase mission effectiveness. They also promote global and local unity and work with the service teams. Each region is granted a minimum representation of one man, one woman, and one next-gen delegate. Additional delegates are added based on the size of the regional family of churches. It is exciting to see this increased diversity among the delegates. So what are the service teams? With the unity of the churches in mind, service teams address the needs of disciples and churches in their specific service area. The chairpersons of these service teams are selected and nominated by the service teams and confirmed or rejected by a delegate vote. Elders, teachers, women, campus, singles, youth and family, communication, administration. Each member of the service teams and task forces must be a spiritual leader that is commended by his or her local leadership. And last but not least, we have the Catalyst team. And as the name implies, does not have executive power for decision-making, but instead catalyzes the decision-making process necessary for global planning, involvement, and cooperation. The Catalyst team includes a diverse membership, including two elders, one teacher, two women's ministers, and regional family chairmen. 
Some exciting stuff has happened from this organization. The Catalyst team has hosted meetings and worked for Unity around the world. Last year, the Catalyst team asked all the families of churches to pray about goals for their churches and share these goals with the other regional family chairpersons. All of the service teams have hosted conferences, many into the thousands. A lot of important work gets done behind the scenes. So let's review. We have 731 churches organized into 34 families of churches by region. Each of these families has a chair couple to organize and facilitate as they work to meet global and local needs. Each family of churches also has delegates that are involved in leadership meetings, decision-making, and creating proposals to better and further the church in unity and missions, guided and aided by the Catalyst team. The various service teams and task forces exist to serve specific needs of the churches and disciples. Each culture and country can organize how they see fit. Different regions are organized differently. We have set this structure in place and we like it, but we acknowledge that it's not perfect. This is a work in progress and we have much to learn about how best to maintain the precious worldwide unity of our movement as we labor to strengthen and grow our local churches against the backdrop of an ever-changing and always challenging global environment. Please pray for our ICOC organization that God will help us to adjust and adapt to finding the best possible solutions. You can read all about our leadership at icocleaders.org. The leadership strives for transparency and many meetings and decisions are documented. The current list of ICOC delegates can also be found there. We hope you found this video helpful. And if you have any questions or concerns, icocleaders.org is a great place to start. God bless. Sorry about that. It was a little, <laughs> Lisa was like confused, and I was like, I know I've seen it twice, and I was a little lost as well. But hopefully you caught a few things, and some people are really interested in that, some people are not. But the only thing I disagree with is we are not an organization, we're a family. And that's kind of what Brian wanted to get across, I want to get across, is um, I think what they're trying to do is help us to see it's like that we're trying. We're, try we have all the we're trying to get input from all walks of life, old, young, everybody. And so, am I doing something wrong here? Okay. Um, that was a little, a little insight into our marriage. Like, am I doing something wrong? Like, whatever I come. <laughs> Are you coming to fix it? What did I do? <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, um, I love that on the topic of family, I love the hope video last week. Um, it just made me so proud of our churches around the world and our family around the world. About So we send money, but it was just so, or not the video, the um, Holly sharing all that stuff and all the different videos. But there was just, you know, they go, we send all this money to a country, but it's disciples that make all of it happen and volunteer. And it just made me so proud of um, what we're a part of. And I just, I've had several talks the last couple of weeks of different situations and how people have been hurt or, you know, all different, you know, all different conversations, but I just feel like I hope we don't hurt foreign churches by our bickering in America. We'll just leave that there. But 
um, so anyways, I do, um, I want to share two stories of some situations of, that uh, apply to this church structure, whatever, um, that conversations I had this week, one bad and one good. Um, the bad one, the sister, you know, years ago had gone to talk to a leader about a situation that was totally shut down. And the, the conversation we had was just heartbreaking because she's an amazing sister with great ideas. And I just feel, I just told her, please try again. The church needs your opinion. The church needs people like you from your walk of life. So, you know, please speak up. Don't be afraid to speak up. Um, we had a great conversation, I feel like. Um, another a positive story about how things are going in the church. So the foster's daughter, Abby, went away to college. And um, the fosters called the campus ministers there. Hey, she's coming. Um, and the campus ministers met her there, helped her move in. And um, in Judy's words, she said she, they just um, reached out to her with no agenda, just to, you know, be there for her. This past week, she got the flu, like every 18 to 20-year-old this past, I don't know, like every one of Cora's friends from everywhere got it. But so Abby tried to go to the, um, the campus um, urgent care, and it was a three-hour wait. So the fosters called the campus ministers, and the, the wife was busy. The husband went and got her and took her to urgent care and waited with her for two hours. And it just was just so heartwarming as a parent that, um, and that's what our family is like. Like if you're, you know, if you, we, we can trust each other and count on each other. And so it's just such a great story, I thought. But um, um, so how do we fit into this? Um, where, like, what can we do? We can, um, you know, definitely pray. All those uh, resources online that, that she gave were helpful. I don't, I mean, if you just Google search ICOC, you're going to find all the different, you know, good and bad. But um, just definitely be praying for the other churches. We can go on mission teams, hope trips. Um, and then just obviously, you know, here locally. But um, next we're going to, we're about to set up, oh, I had a scripture. Here we go. Um, this is kind of describes the situation with Abby, but we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And I feel like that is just so encouraging, and that's, what, that's how we want to be. It's not, it's not an organization. It's not a structure, but it's a family, and we share our lives with each other. Um, right now, we're going to have a video. It's not quite as bad as the first one. It's, a, um, it's an app. It's an app that we have that's really cool. It's got all kinds of videos and resources about um, our churches internationally. So, thanks. Do you want to know what's happening on your mission field? In the All Nations app, it's easy. Scroll down to your Mission Society's page and see what's going on. It's easy to gather lots of information about missions. Have you ever wondered how you can give to missions, or where to find out opportunities to go on foreign or domestic mission fields. The All Nations app is for you. Connect with ministries all over the world, thanks to having every ICOC Mission Society represented on the app. With each Mission Society, you can stay up to date on new adventures and opportunities as they arise and how you can help. The app is loaded with features. The Evangelism Toolkit from Disciples Today is a multimedia Bible study experience, including the First Principles Bible studies embedded with custom complimentary videos you can share with anyone you're reaching out to. Tap the Good News tile for good news from sources such as the Beam Missions Foundation, Hope Worldwide, 
and Kidogo. Interested in what's happening globally? Check out the announcements tile for global overviews, conference announcements, and more. Are you ready for an adventure? This is your home base to see many of the missions opportunities our fellowship has to offer, and you can apply within the app. Got an idea for the app? Let us know in the Make a Suggestion page. So, are you an empty nester? Download the All Nations app. Are you a campus student? Download the All Nations app. Or are you a single, teen, or married? Download the All Nations app. Wherever you are, whatever language you speak, if you love adventure and seeing God move, this app is for you. The mission field still needs your help. Maybe you can go, maybe you can't. But we can all be inspired, engaged, and in prayer for the brotherhood around the world. Use hashtag AllNationsApp and Instagram to be featured on our social media wall. All right. Good morning, church. Hopefully, uh, if you got that message, uh, we'd like you to download the All Nations app. Um, quick, quick sharing about that. Uh, I, was, I had the privilege, I, I could say, of being a part of the Zoom calls for several months, uh, helping the genesis of the All Nations app. So there's a, there's a bit of personal stake in that, if you will. So what I'd like you to do at this time, if you're so inclined and you have the, uh, the memory on your phone, and if you need help with this, you can uh, find the tech person next to you. I'm sure someone understands it. You can go to the portion where you find your applications and then download the All Nations app. But no, seriously, download the All Nations app. I'm not joking. Like, like right now, download the All Nations app. Thank you, Steve. We always have to have the first person that goes through the wall that everybody else follows. So, But yes, it, is, it has some great content on there. Again, if you're trying to find good news around the world, or just galvanizing all our missional or international efforts, it's literally all there. So please take a gander today and download the All Nations app. That being said, switching gears, um, our focus is on communion right now. And in Revelations, it says this in uh, seven, chapter 7, 9 through 10. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, People and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. What beautiful imagery we have here. We're talking about an all-nations app. We're discussing, you know, a theme that has an international kind of, you know, service, the international theme to it. Why are we having all these discussions? Why are we proposing this as a service for Sunday? Because of imagery just like this. Have a bit of a holy imagination for a second. Think of yourself standing before the throne of God and you have a great multitude, more than anyone could ever count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. What a beautiful thought. My daughter, about a year and a half ago, she woke up one morning. She says, Daddy, I had a dream. I'm like, okay. You know, like most kids, they have dreams. So it's going to be something about maybe cookies and some kind of rainbow or something. Or other. I don't know what's going to happen, right? Um, she's like, Daddy, 
uh, it was it was you and mommy and Cyrus and Darius and we were in a, a grass is a grassy field and it was pink and then all this of course it was pink right if you know my daughter it was pink and she's like you know what and then the grass started going up in the sky and then and then it went all the way up to heaven and I saw God and and I saw Jesus and I saw uh, you know, and this is kind of deep, but uh, my wife had a, a, uh, a brother that passed away tragically when very young. He said, I saw mommy's brother. Um, another tragic thing, you know, just because of backing into the context, we had a miscarriage about maybe five and a half years ago, six years ago. Uh, she's like, I saw, I saw your, uh, your son, that, that the miscarriage, the one that, you know, wasn't born, and a baby that died. And I, I'm like listening, I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting emotional hearing this. I mean, we are all singing, and God, and we're all happy, and I'm like, wow. And so when I think of this type of scripture, when I think of, you know, what God has done for us, it, it, it's more than just not going to hell. And that's kind of what the world peddles, that notion, that negative. It's the, it's the idea of spending eternity with God and all of his people, our family, our friends, and every single person in this room because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The body that was broken and the blood that was shed was the bridge and the pathway for us to be a people of God. At this time, Martini is going to help guide our thoughts uh, as we go into communion. Bonjour, ça va? Ça va bien? So we talk about all nation. I figured I'll speak some French. In Creole, sac passé? Ma boule. Um, okay, um, so it's funny when um, Rhett asked me to share a day ago about communion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yes, yes. Um, you know, it's, it's been a hard week. I don't know about you, but this week has been, um, you know, a difficult week where, um, you know, we had a neighbor that got a little spicy. Um, <laughs> Driving, heard the squeak, and you realize that all our brakes need to be changed, and just so many other things, which um, for me, I had to spend some extra time in just meditating, just reading scriptures, um, just to really get my mind, just to um, focus on things that are good, because a lot of negative thoughts were like, I had to fight through this week. Um, so with that being said, I just wanted to just have a time where we can just meditate. Um, you guys remember EHS? Yes, so we're going to do, um, yeah, some sauce and, and solitude. So first, I'm going to ask you guys just to put your phones away and just ask the ushers not to move. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a few deep breaths, and then I'm going to do one minute, maybe a half a minute, where I'm just going to do guided, where I'm going to read a scripture. And then after that, we're going to do some silence. Sounds good? Um, so let's just all just take three deep breaths. Breathe in. Breathe out. And just release all the negative thoughts, whatever you're thinking about right now for the week. Just let it all go. Another deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Okay, it's the last one. Let's make it great. Breathe in. And breathe out. Um, and now for the first half minute, I'm just going to read um, Psalm 145. I've been reading it all week and just meditating on it. 
um, wanted to focus is on verse 8 through 13. And it says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people exalt you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom. I'm sorry, they tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Amen. And so now we're just going to take a minute and a half of just quiet. Starting. Now. Dad, we're so thankful that you chose each and every one of us um, from the ends of the earth. Um, you chose us from the beginning. We're thankful that you're a God who thinks of our needs. We're thankful that you're a God who loves us so deeply that you chose your son to take our place on the cross. We're thankful that you're glad, oh God who is full of grace and mercy, who is just. You're of God who think of our needs before we even think of it. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are merciful. We thank you so much, God. And we pray that, God, that we can reflect you in our lives throughout our day, that we can reflect you and reflect you in our churches. I pray for healing for those who need healing, God. I pray for peace for those who need peace. I pray for joy for those who need joy. I pray for compassion for those who need compassion. We love you so much, God. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 